If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Well, hey everybody, good morning. Thank you for joining me. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth, and it's Friday, April 3rd, 2020. We made it. So it's the third day of April. It's the third day into the second quarter of 2020, and our world is still grappling with the coronavirus and the pandemic that it has caused throughout the world. So for those of us who are listening for the first time and for those of us who are listening in posterity, and in perpetuity, at this time, we, the world is going through a pandemic. And it's notable because the last time something as mammoth as this took place was in 1918. I read some stories where in 1918, over 650,000 Americans were died as a result of the influenza of 1918. Many millions more were impacted. And here we are looking at a similar situation here in 2020. And it kind of makes you wonder, the more we change, the more things remain the same. You would have thought by now that certainly we have uh, made so many strides uh, technologically, medically, and so on. How could we not overcome an influence? We probably thought we did. We developed kill uh, viruses and vaccines were designed to prevent them from happening. But there are still some parts of the world that still are probably not as vaccinated as they should be. And those areas of the world where those happen, it shows us how interconnected we all are. Because this started in China and has spread throughout the rest of the world. Uh, They're not focusing a lot on patient zero. But in every epicenter, there is a patient zero. And obviously for sensitivity reasons, uh, and so on, and to prevent discrimination and the rise of racial discrimination, they're containing that. But the patient zero in, in, in Seattle, Washington, was a gentleman who had come from China who had gone to spend the Chinese New Year. It's remarkable to note that because every year when these kinds of viruses spring up, whether it was H1N1, the bird flu, uh, the avian flu, SARS, it was always at the same time, often their home countries. And then when they come back, these kinds of things happen. So we should perhaps be taking note of that and vaccinate folks before they leave. So if you're going to go visit your relatives for the, you know, for some kind of holiday celebration or New Year celebration, take a vaccine with you. It's just like if you and I right now were to go to Africa, there are certain vaccines that we are required to take. Did you know that? There are certain vaccines we're required to take. I've never been to China, so I don't know what happens if you say you're going to China. If there are certain vaccines that you have to take, but if you are going to Africa, there are certain vaccines that you're required to take. Otherwise, you can't leave the country, and when you come back, they're going to quarantine you, right? And so I think it's the same thing that we should do for folks who are going to China to visit on um, on the Chinese New Year, because every year, every time they come back, something comes back with them. Now we're in the midst of a pandemic that has forever changed 
the way we do stuff. Now, it's, it's remarkable to note that when we want to shut down, we can't. We chose to shut our society down so that we don't kill people. We don't want to lose anybody. We don't want to lose our seniors, our elders, our parents, our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents, people whom we, who we love and who are dear to us. We don't want to lose young children either because they are the future. We all recognize that if you don't have children, and you remember how people used to say, well, they're kind of making me feel better about not having children. Now you realize why it's important to have children. You have a responsibility as a human being to have children because you're continuing the human race. Thing that you, you might uh, want to think about, right? And now we, you also recognize how interconnected we are. When folks who are well-known share with us their own stories of how they've contracted the virus and how they're doing, we're all kind of saddened or we, we feel some type of way because that story is replicated everywhere. Just yesterday here in Detroit, we learned that our city council president, Brenda Jones, uh, has the virus. Now, her chief of staff is someone, you know, we know each other, right? And her chief of staff is someone whom I know personally. Can you imagine? How, how, you know, you, you feel that on a whole different level. For, it was Reverend Sheffield, whom I know. It was, you know, so you start, it, it's home to you now. It's ground zero to me now, right? And, and you start wondering, how is she doing? So they text me this morning. Her chief of staff says, we're okay. We're monitoring. She's being monitored. No, getting information, communicating information to her, to the people. I, I, you know, so it was just amazing to me. And I am like, this is my family. This is family, right? This is family. These are folks whom I have sat down and commiserated with. These are folks whom I have joked with, laughed with, talked with, had chats with, and, and, and shared ideas with. This is something, right? This is this is truly something. When when I heard the chief, he's someone whom I don't I know personally. I've met him. We've talked. But it's not someone who is in my everyday circle, but to someone I know of, someone who knows of me, the chief of police. So you, when you see these things start happening, you're like, okay. So in the midst of this pandemic, it brings home the fact that we're all connected one way, in some way, shape, or form. The other thing that's emerging from this pandemic is being killed. It practically is like an open season on women in domestic violence situations right now. They have nowhere to go. They can't call the cops. The EMTs won't come because they don't know who has COVID. And women and children are being killed in these situations. And guess what? You and I, if we hear it, we're not going to interfere because we don't want to get uh, COVID. And we don't want to get killed by this wild man who thinks because he's lost his job, he has lost everything, he's going to take it out on his family because they're the reason why he lost it. So we're going to talk some more about it. But what do we want to talk about today? In this era of uh, this pandemic, have you thought about what would happen to your documents? We're living in an era, and this is uncharted territory. We've never been here before. A lot of what we're experiencing, our not the generation who went to war. I mean, the last war was the Gulf War. Was that really a war, really? They just went over the center and throw some bombs just to have war games or something so it looks good on a video screen. It wasn't a real war where we had to shut the country down and we had to uh, force companies to manufacture ventilators and so on. We, we didn't have that. Just this morning, my daughter reminded me that uh, New York, the governor of New York says his state has run out of ventilators 
statewide. I thought the president was taking care of that and forcing GM to do that. The problem with GM is that, guess what? GM is run by people. People don't want to go into the factories because folks from the factories have been dying. So nobody wants to go to work because they don't want to lose their lives. See, when we had wartime, people did not have, we didn't have a pandemic. So now we're in a situation where we don't have enough ventilators. I saw on my Instagram feed yesterday, a nurse posted a video of people in hospitals laying down on the floor of hospitals. She said as soon as someone dies, it's 15 minutes later, that very same room is occupied by someone else. She had three people die within 30 minutes. She says, do you know that doesn't happen in a hospital? Each ER nurse is assigned to six or nine patients, and they're dropping and dying. They're not enough. By the time folks get to hospitals, the illness is advanced. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the death rate is probably, uh, the number of deaths is probably higher than because all the data has not been collected, and the rate of infection is definitely higher because it's not. In Michigan, we have close to 11,000 uh, confirmed cases. But that does not include people who haven't gone and gotten tested. And this is also bringing out some racism as well, because here in lower Michigan, in southeast Michigan, this is a diverse thing, bringing out the old-fashioned, good old-fashioned racism. So we're like, well, don't come down here to get no job. You're from Upper Marquette. You're from down here. You ain't coming down here to get no job. So since you want to pull that stuff, stay up there with your poverty and don't come down here looking for a job. We're going to start asking people. Coming into Southeast Michigan, where are you all at? Where you come from? Oh, when we were sick, you didn't want us to come up to your hospital. Well, don't come down here to buy no house. Don't come here to get no job. Don't come down. I'm serious. These are the stuff that people are like, seriously? You want to go there with us? These are the kinds of things that are emerging as a result of this pandemic. And I am saying to all of us, we need to, we need to stop and take a break and look at what is really at stake here. So this morning, I want to talk, I, want to, I thought I would lighten it up a bit because it's been so heavy on the numbers. Uh, yesterday, we learned a staggering number, 10 million people filed for unemployment. Labor said, we have lost 700,000 jobs. I'm like, so who's lying? You just want to say 700,000 jobs instead of 10 million unemployment claims because of 700,000 jobs country. That is disingenuous. And what it does is it disrupts the integrity of the U.S. government. Because if you're going to lie flat out because you, don't, you want to win an election and you're distorting the facts because you want numbers to look good, you've disrupted and distorted the integrity of the system. I mean, politicians can say what they want, but we rely on the system to give us facts. The facts are that 10 million people filed for unemployment. The, the, the governor of Michigan says that unemployment claims in the state went up 4,000% and so on. Let me ask you this question. Have you thought of what would happen to your documents? Have you thought of digitizing your documents? Have you thought that maybe I have time? This is something I've always thought about. Maybe I should start uploading my documents to a Google Drive or to some online storage system that is, of course, password encrypted. The event that something happens. Well, that something could be anything. It could be that you know, you know, you uh, you you've lost them or you had to leave your house suddenly and you can't take everything with you. But at least you have them to be able to restore 
your identity or to substantiate your claim of who you are. Do you see what I'm saying? Because make no mistake about it. We found out through the stimulus that the IRS and the Social Security know who we all are. You, you know that little thing they give you, that little card? Okay, so when you're born, <laughs> they give you that little blue card, right? Because Social Security knows who you are. They know exactly who you are and exactly how much <laughs> how much you're getting, <laughs> right? They know who your grandmother is, even if your grandmother doesn't know that you belong to them anyway. Even your daddy doesn't know that he has you, but somehow his name and Social Security number is on your document, right? So now we know that you can't hide. They know who you are. They know, for instance, who's using a taxpayer identification number, which is not, it doesn't function like a social security number, but what it does is it gives you the opportunity to to pay taxes. And then it's the same number they're going to give you because they assign you a number. Once you enter the system, they just kind of assign you a number based on the state that you're in. Everybody knows that. But have you thought about digitizing that? that we all do that. Now, years ago, uh, my attorney suggested that I store all my documents uh, digitally. I thought it was a wonderful idea because this is like uh, maybe more than 10 years ago now, right? And at the time, we were still getting used to, you know, storing our documents electronically and stuff. So just well, just scan them and email them to yourself and keep them in an email box, you know, as whatever. And at the time, I thought it was a good idea, so I did it. Well, now the New York Times is actually saying, an article in the New York Times is actually saying, you should, we should. Now, maybe that person is just saying that we should because it is part of what you do for quarantine. But I am saying, you made a copy of the mortgage document, your car documents that should show ownership of your property and your cars, right? What about treasury bonds? Do you have certificates of deposit? And treasury bonds. Keep those, and I'm going to tell you how to store them so that you can actually store them. So gather all your documents together your passports, your marriage license, to whom you're currently married, and so on. Get all of that, your children's identification documents. You have no idea how much you need those until you need them, right? And get them. Still keep them, of course, because those are irretrievable. Some of them are irreplaceable, uh, right? But keep those so that you can have them in the event that you need them and you can only access them digitally. So you have any proof because you've lost the paper documentation. But if you if you can tell somebody where to go and get it and tell them what's the password to where to go and get it, they can download it, look for it, and they can look at you and say, okay, it is you. Here is Because you might go to a government office and you might just meet the wrong person on the wrong day who says, I can't be bothered, you're lying, it's not you, blah, blah, blah. You know how people can be. So you pull out your documents on your phone. And I'm suggesting that we keep this on our phone. It is more important because our phones are with us. You're going to run out of your house, chances are you're going to have your phone. You see what I mean? Kind of sticky, but it is. Now that we have this pandemic that has forced us to stop, we used to think that our world just went on and on. We took it for granted when we just thought everything just happened because it's supposed to happen, because it's wired up to happen. Now we realize at any given moment, someone can pull the plug. Pull the plug. Now it's giving uh, nefarious people an idea that they can start a bioterrorism stuff, send a, a virus that will shut down our economy, shut down our way of life, and we're just going to go along with it. 
while they continue to steal our stuff. There are part of the reason why this is important is for identification purposes. Identity thieves can steal your documentation. Have you ever been hacked? Raise your hand. Have you ever stolen your identity? Raise your hand. Anybody who has ever been through that nightmare knows what I'm talking about. To prove that you are you, you listen, from the day you know yourself, from the day you earliest you can remember, they call you John Brown. You know who your mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa are. And then somebody else shows up with name John Brown, same date of birth, right? Using your social security number, obtaining uh, credits and everything else in your name, and then you go to court and they're asking you to prove who you are. Huh? I said my name is John Brown. I said I was born. Well, we don't know that because somebody else here has documents to prove that. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, I had a girl in, in our shelter. There was a woman in our shelter who had a similar problem. When we went to Social Security for her to get a Social Security card, somebody else had used their name. We found seven different people, her, instances where her name had been used seven different times in states where she never lived, in states she had nothing to do with. And people took out even a, a, a loan to go to medical school. Can you believe it? She's like, I, I couldn't be functioning like a doctor. Can I just know where they went to medical school? They took out cars in her name. She owed over 750000 worth of medical debt, medical education debt, that she had nothing to do with. And what they did was they kept her credit good because they were using her name. And I'm like, are you sure this is the name you were born with? And she's like, this is the name. This is the name my mother called me before they took me. This is the name. This is the name I've been using. This is the name. Do you see what I'm saying? So you, it, it is, and she has no proof. Now, maybe if she had digitized her documents, she would have proof to say, this is who I've always been. But at the time, nobody thought of that. And this is why I'm saying for all of us, for longevity and perpetuity purposes, digitize all your documents. You probably have a printer at home, especially now because we're all working from home, right? So we are connected to a printer because sometimes you have to print stuff off. And you sometimes have to print stuff off to sign it, to send it back. Definitely use online apps for signing documents. There are many apps out there that can do that. So if I have to sign a document on the run, I use an online document, an online an app to sign it and send it back. There are many online, uh, there are many uh, applications, shall we say, apps, that we, shall we say, that can be used for those purposes. And this is why it's important in the era of smartphones to be able to utilize the devices for what the functionalities that it is designed for. It's not just a phone to talk to. It's not just a phone to text and to take booty pics and nudes to send to your boo or for a hookup. It's more than that. It's also storage. Just view your phone as storage. So you're not just going to hand your phone over. You don't know how kids just like to share their phones. Just give me your phone. I'll send a text for you. Just give me your phone. I'll just, you're not just going to hand your phone over to someone anymore because now they can retrieve important information from you. I never, ever hand my phone over. I want you to take a picture. I can take a selfie. You can take a picture to me, and then you can email it to me. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? It's now more important than ever, right? So here are some. I'm going to read to you a list of some apps I found that you can do. You can it's an it's it's a it's an app. Download it to your device. It's iOS and Android compatible. 
download it to your device so that you can scan documents. If you have a printer at home, because we all went and bought printers, right? But your printer is multifunctional. Doesn't it say so? It says it scans an email and, and, and photocopy and prints photos, right? Okay. So put that back to work. Let's find out how much it can scan. So put your document in your printer face down, attach it to your computer. Now, most of these printers and scanners are, uh, are Bluetooth in today's world. Gone are the days when you used to have to have a USB uh, uh, cord. To be honest with you, over the years, I've owned so many printers that I have a USB cord that I still keep just in case because sometimes it doesn't work Bluetooth. It will work with your mobile device. You place the document face down and scan it. And then attach a name to it and store it on the computer. Don't just leave it on your computer. That's useless. Now go ahead and create an online, uh, whether you're going to use your email box or you're going to store it in, in some online storage device that is password enforced. Very critical. Then scan it and upload it to that. Right? And label the document. Sometimes we might even have photos that you want, like some of your profile pics. Now, we do rely on Facebook, Instagram, and so on to store photos of us. But, you know, the other day somebody uh, asked me for some photos of me standing before a microphone, and I was like, God, I don't even know where to find those. Luckily, I have over 5,000 pictures in my phone. I could find some. Because in the early days when I was speaking, for whatever reason, we never took photos. I don't know why. I don't know. I, I, some of them I can't do. I'm like, why wasn't there a photo speaking that day? Right? So make sure that all your photos that are valuable, maybe these photos of friends and family, family members, especially those who have gone on before us, make sure you capture those if you want to. Right? Uh, the other thing, there's another, there are other apps as well. There's Dropbox. Most of us are familiar with Dropbox a lot. I don't like it. Its functionality is questionable. I don't like it. I don't like Dropbox. I can never, ever retrieve a document from Dropbox. I stopped using Dropbox in 2016 because I could never retrieve a document from it. I, it was so frustrating to work with that for that. And that's when I discovered Google Drive. Back in 2014, 2015, I was like, Google, and even then, Google Drive was questionable. So what I did was I uploaded a lot of documents that I no longer have access to now print-wise because paper does fade. I still have them captured in my Google Drive. Isn't that something? So create a, 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 a process by which when you have copied the documents, you scan them to your computer, upload them to an electronic storage system. Whether it's going to be in your email box or it's going to be in your Google Drive, upload it and save it. Then email that file to other family members so they, too, have access. So don't just keep it with you. And then something happens to you and you're incapacitated and you can't talk. And you can't tell anybody what your passwords are. Hello, hello, hello. Don't think about it. It's like writing a will. We don't think about that, do we? No, because this stuff ain't going to happen. Well, there are lots of people right now who are in their 40s and 30s who died without leaving a will and who have estate behind them. Think about that for a minute. I've always said if you have $5, you need to have a will. Right? Right. Say right, everybody. Right? A lot of people died who worked, have money in a 401k somewhere, have money in a bank account somewhere, and their family members, their mothers, their brothers, their siblings, girlfriends can't get to it.
because they never left the will because we thought we own the right will. Oh, well, well, if you think you're going to die and I'm too young, it's not going to happen to me. If you have $5, leave a will because pandemonium has set in. The pandemic set in broadly pandemonium. It's questionable and up in the air. What if you're incapacitated? You need to be able to tell others what you would like to be done. Right? Something to think about. Food for thought. The other app that uh, people use to source stuff is something called Everdose and TurboScans. Me personally, I just scan it and upload it. Scan it and upload it. And like I said, I started doing this 10 years ago when my attorney suggested it. And so I have certain documents electronically captured. Right? You can also take, I'm going to tell you some other ways that you can do it. Uh, you can also scan photos. And there are lots of photo editing tools that you can use. There's one called PhotoScan, that app, PhotoScan, to your, to your device. And it will take a, a correct picture. It will either capture it by JPEG or PDF. So you can choose. JPEG is problematic. You know what I mean? Because it's going to catch, if it's a picture, if it's an image, like say it's a certificate, your birth certificate. You might not want to store that as JPEG. You might want to store that as a PDF, right? You can choose to store it in some places as a PDF, some places as a JPEG, but because it doesn't have a photo in it. But something like a photo is probably going to automatically store it as JPEG, right? There's another form of storage called PNG that works as well, but JPEG is the most consistently reliable one that is less, that has no issues. PNG sometimes, I don't know, it's, 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 it's problematic. Tell I have been around computers for a while, haven't you? And I probably have had some more issues because I have been podcasting for more than 10 years. And I have been uh, a writer for more than 10 years. So you spend so much time on your computer that you kind of get some familiarity with some of the tools that work best than others. I kid you not, it, it's just incredible, right? Uh, the other thing to do, too, is to, uh, I said to download a mobile scanning device, upload it. And what are the documents that you want to store? Well, that's something you have to think about. What documents are important to you? Birth certificates, marriage licenses, marriage certificates, right? Certificates of owner that prove ownership. You own a house, you own a property, own a car, right? Uh, treasury bond certificates, certificates of deposit. Yeah. Those are important. We don't attach importance to them until you go like this. Remember that they found treasury bonds that she had had from 1945. You know how much those are valued at now? And nobody ever knew they were there and they were in there in her name. It's very important to capture all of that. Certificates of deposit, diplomas. You graduated high school. You graduated college. You have a certificate and so-and-so. Keep it. Keep that bad boy. You might just go for a job interview and they ask you for it. You can say, I can email it to you right now. Here's a copy of it. Here's what it looks like. Here's a copy of it. Those things are immediately irretrievable and they're irreplaceable sometimes, right? Recently, my daughter had to obtain a copy of her law degree. It cost something. It cost her something, right? That stuff costs something. Diplomas, right now, my youngest daughter, talk about this. The class of 2020, the high school graduating class of 2020, they are the most problematic right now. Do you realize, Uma might come by PDF. She's not happy. She's not happy. Because <laughs> the class, the high school graduating class of 2020, 
are the children who were born after 9-11. Those folks were born in trauma, come up with age in trauma. What gives? Right? They might just get their diplomas by PDF for the first time in history. They might not get a paper diploma to walk across the stage with. They might just get it by PDF. Not a bad idea because everywhere that they're going to apply, they're going to need it electronically, especially as they matriculate to college. But for posterity's sake, you you want it, the diploma handed to you. You know what I mean? Isn't that something to think about? Something to think about. <laughs> oh, just incredible. So uh, make sure that the documents that are important to you, the, the papers that are important to you, uh, appointments, contracts. Do you have a contract with someone? Make sure you have a copy of that. And, and, and when I was consulting in health, love telling people I'll email them a copy of the contract. You'll be surprised how 12 years ago, people were so resistant to the end. They're like, why don't you just come to the office and, and come and we'll sign it together. And I was like, sure, we can do that too. But I also wanted a copy of it electronically because I thought it was less paper to walk around with, less paper to store, just have it and keep it. Now we realize how important all of that stuff is, right? Keep a copy. Recently, I, I needed a copy of uh, uh, my uh, high school graduation and, and college and stuff like that. And I didn't have a paper copy because it was irretrievably lost. So we had to pay to get a copy of the transcript. You know what that looks like. And I could do not. What I would have given to see the original copy, right? It's very important that we keep those digitally captured. Just something to do while we're on quarantine. We've watched all the stuff. This is just one of those things that it's probably been at the back of our minds for some time. Uh, we never gave any thought to it. But right now, something to think about, something to certainly ruminate on and to think that maybe we need to do this. Maybe you never know what can happen. Um, uh, you know, this pandemic has taught us a lot. At the same time that we are learning stuff, the, the nefarious people, the wicked people are learning too. They're learning that they can send a virus and create some kind of bioterrorism or some kind of biowarfare that they can uh, 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 send to us that can severely hamper the way our way of life. And you never know when folks will show up and claim to do all kinds of stuff and you don't have anything else but to show. It's just like how you get your car insurance. The same way, it's in an app on your phone. You can bring it up in an app on your phone and the police sees it and they're like, okay, you're good to go. Same thing, right? Same thing. You can get it and it's scannable. They send you a QR code. It can be scanned at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Well, same thing, right? Digital age. And we need to learn how to, to maximize all the functionalities that can be done. We need to be able to do this. Some of these apps were developed really for people who take a lot of photographs and so on and want to look really good, right? Or people who are in the arts, who are submitting projects, people who are filmmakers and so on. But it has other functions too. There are other functionalities that are just as effective that we can capture and use for our own purposes, right? You might want to take a copy of your lease out in your apartment and look at them really carefully. And said, my God, I didn't read this before I signed it, right? And uh, something else to note, too, that the, the FHA now is saying that it's placing in, in contracts, in housing contracts, the FHA is saying now they're placing in housing contracts. 
a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures. So, like, if you're a first-time home buyer and you took out a loan from the FHA for whatever reason, whether you're a first-time home buyer or not, to help you buy a house, the FHA is imposing contracts and stipulations within that that is going to limit eviction and foreclosure about that. Now we know that can be done. We should have done that. You see what I mean? So before you sign another apartment lease, you're going to say, what is the eviction criteria under this? No, we need to revisit that. We need, and if they say they can't do it, well, I won't live here. I'll find somewhere else that is going to be accommodating because we never know what can happen. Three months ago, six months ago, none of us saw this coming. This was not something that was within our ambit, something we ever thought could happen. And yet here we are. So now we have to employ your critical thinking skills to mitigate disaster. You have to think about if you have to leave your home in a hurry, where are you going to go? Where can you go? Me, I don't have anywhere because I have to go in the basement and hide, right, barricade and stuff like that, right? But you have to think about, so where will your important documents be? What is important to you? You have to now find yourself thinking, what if I can't go out for 10 or 14 days? I'm not talking about now where they say we're on lockdown. That means we can't go to work. We can't just congregate loosely for shopping. Pick up your prescription. You just can't congregate in groups of 10 or more, right? Okay. So, but you still want to avoid being in spaces where a lot of people are, right? But what if it comes to the point where they say you, nobody moves and you can't go anywhere? We have to employ our critical thinking skills right now. And this is one of them, learning how to digitize all of our documents, our important papers, our photographs, right, records, of even our parents, our parents' birth and death certificates. Lord God, please don't let me say that one more time, right, because they lived, right? Keeping those records, Jesus, keeping those records digitally is going to be important for those looking at me. Like, you ever notice that? When you grow up, or you, this is you just, your eyes just kind of slide to mom and dad, just slide there. Like, wait, mom and dad are getting older. Uh, I probably need to take over some of the stuff, right? Some of you are thinking that, right? And important stuff that only you know what those mean to you, things that might be sentimental, still collect them and so on. We're in the digital age. If you can get the Bible, the Quran, or whatever your religious document is, Digitally, that's when you know you need to store everything else digitally. I, I think in a time it's going to come when you go to renew your driver's license and they take a picture and send it to your phone. The renewed license comes to your phone. Your, our driver's license will be on our phones. You open the phone and show it like this. And they're like, okay, that's you. Okay. Right? Everything is already in your driver's license. They know exactly who you are, where you come from. What day and time you were born. If, you know, we used to say this for years and laugh about it, that the FBI knows who, when your mama was born. You think that's a joke? They know exactly who you are, where you come from, what you say, what you do, your goings and comings. Uh, I saw uh, on the, I think it was the Washington Post this week, where they used cell phone data to capture how people were moving around the country. There are data miners who are actually using our cell phones. So they could tell that the states that had lockdowns in place, people were only driving one mile or two miles. But the states that had no lockdowns, people were all over the place. It was amazing to see. I should have taken a picture of it. But what got to me was, so you're monitoring my cell phone without me knowing? Like, you know my cell phone, so you also know who 
I proved to our friends that we are ballers or whatever, and we're traveling. Mm, I just checked into Detroit. I'm headed to do who you are, where you were. Think about that, right? So because we're, we need to embrace that fact, that that is a factor of our postmodern life. Modern life was in the 1960s, the 1950s, and the 1960s. This is postmodern, ultra extreme. This is probably ultra modern by now, or ultra modern way of life, right? So uh, I, I feel like I myself, I'm going to brush up on, on what I haven't photocopied yet, what I haven't scanned and uploaded, and make sure that everything is digitally captured, but make sure that it is password secured, right? Uh, years ago, my daughter had told me, no, don't let you use your thumbprint because they can use your thumbprint even when they're not supposed to. But then the face recognition technology came in and it knocked you out. They can put the thing up before your face and so on. They can go in your phones and see you, all your passwords or whatever, but still have passwords and so on, right? Somebody's saying technology is way ahead of our thinking. Yes. Isn't it? Because here we are just catching up with it. Meanwhile, other people have already uh, taken advantage of this. There are people who are uh, have photo scanning, created photo scanning apps on your phone. So you probably don't even need to buy a printer if you don't have one. So if you have an iOS device or an Android device, you can download that photo scanning app that will help you to capture those images that you want. And just think about it. I mean, I think it was the New York Times that I saw the article yesterday that actually showed the data of people. It showed a map of people with cell phones. That scared and freaked me out. So while you are at home, or if you went to see your side cheek, your side piece, <laughs> they know where your cell phone was because they were saying the states that have lockdowns, uh, People's cell phones were within a 1.5-mile drive from their home. How do you know where I live? How do you know where home is for me? You know too much about me. You see what I mean? And they, in the state that didn't have lockdowns, they could see where people were just driving freewheelly all over the place. Crazy stuff. So I'm like, so you've been keeping track of people. And they could show you what it looks like now. To what it looked like a month ago. They actually did. Yes, they did. They could they tracked it back to the first of March, which tells you they can track it back to whenever they feel like it. While we were sleeping, people were up thinking and plotting ways in which to control us. And we are on Instagram free willy reading entertainers. But they're figuring out how can we keep track of people. How can we keep control of people? How can we know where the guns are, where the murderers are, where the rapists are? I wish they would keep control of men who are beating their wives and children. Would that help? Wouldn't that help right now? We probably need to do, we're going to need to do something about that in the lockdown because they're beating up their wives and children and the rest of the, the neighbors can't do anything about it. The police are not coming out. So we need to do something about that because that is exponentially. I guarantee you the statistic has gone up. And we're going to have to do something about that. Right? So join me again on Sunday morning as we will talk about faith and its impact on our lives. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harry Kemak with Down to Earth. 
It's been my privilege and my pleasure to have been here with you this morning. Go to my website, HarrietCamera.com, as well as go to the ExodusFoundation.com. We talk about helping and providing relief services to victims of human trafficking. Join my page on Anchor FM. And in other portals, you will find more information about our podcast, Down to Earth, with Carrie Cameron. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your Saturday. Chill. Chill. Stay home. Stay inside. Save lives. Chill. Chill. That's another thing that emerged from the aggregate data, is that when people stay home, we were containing the spread of the virus. Stay home. Stay inside. Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed. Thanks so much, everyone. Be blessed.